1: Welcome to the second episode of Skincare Anarchy, titled Misinformation. In this episode, Ekta and I will be talking about the misinformation that exists in skincare, specifically in product development, testing, and marketing, and how that affects consumers like you and me. We will also talk a little bit about how misinformation has led to lawsuits using two case studies, Lastly, we will talk about the framework that we should all adopt to be smarter consumers, which will not only save our skin, but also save us a little bit of money. Ekta, I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the science behind the products and how it is being communicated to us, the consumers. You've made the point to me before that DERMs should be at the center of product development, but they're not. Instead, Mm. it is marketing that drives product development. To me personally, The terminology, the ingredients, everything kind of surrounding that is getting really complicated. And I feel like that in itself is a marketing tactic.
0: Yes, I completely agree with that. I think there is absolutely no accountability being... Um, you know exercised in terms of who's leading this movement um, why they're making these products it really is like you said this marketing gimmick that has just kind of snowballed Mm -hmm. to a point of like you know not being stoppable at this point so I completely agree and you know and and the being dermatologists, being at the lead of this is just so important you know just doctors in general
1: I feel like yeah because we're talking about our skin and like you said in the previous episode you know we're treating the skin to some extent because of a pathology that it would have right so what has been really interesting to me is that more and more uh, companies are publishing uh, clinical study results as part of the marketing now i'll be completely honest i'm completely ignorant about this i mean i'm ignorant about the types of clinical studies that exist So maybe you can start there and explain how testing is done and what types of trials even exist.
0: Absolutely. So there are so many different um, terms and statistics. And um, especially when you go into any kind of a research study, um, you have to really make the decision of your experimental model. You know what I mean? So like you have to decide, am I going to run a clinical trial versus a, um, you know, like a like a past study you know like a like a cohort study that was done based on user feedback Mm -hmm. um, versus you know a projection study where you're looking for certain you know again like with the surveys you give people surveys and then they you know report to you so there are so many different um, designs that can be adopted for any kind of a research study and unfortunately in dermatology a lot of the things that we're seeing are very very heavily based in relying on user response and So when you
1: say user response, we're talking about anecdotal evidence, right? Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times
1: they're, you know, and,
0: the problem really is not even just that, it's that the the participants that are being picked for these studies, you know, the idea of blind and double blind comes in right at mm-hmm. this point, because you're not truly like I the biggest concern I'm seeing is the, the population that is being represented is not accurate mm-hmm. because, you know, you cannot have a study that is primarily composed of 80 percent Caucasian women. But then you're talking about a product that you want to apply from a marketing standpoint to the entire spectrum of race you know are different races right so you can't do that and that's a lot of the stuff that i see when i go into the research is that these these uh, individuals that you're testing with or you know um surveying are not real a true representation of Mm -hmm. our population so you know and and from a statistical standpoint of course anyone can run a study with 100 participants that are from varying ages of 18 through 45 you know what i mean and but like does that really represent anything no because you're not there's no control you know what i mean there's no control
1: in your study there's no like basis on which you're making your claims so right so let's start with what the gold standard is you made a reference to this before it's the double blind um what is it the double blind yeah it's a double
0: blind um study in which basically everyone like you're the person who's recording the data isn't aware of like who were the participants and the person analyzing their data data isn't aware either so everyone is kind of blinded to who's Mm participating you know what I mean So there's no bias and there's like the, the occurrence of bias is going to be extremely limited in those kind of studies because you're not just disclosing this information. So it's truly just
1: true randomization. You know what I mean? Right. So, so, and my understanding is in a double blind study, there's a group of participants that are given um, the product with the active ingredient. And there's another group that's given a placebo, some, you know, a similar product that doesn't have the active ingredient and the participants don't know whether they have the placebo or the active ingredient product mm -hmm, and mm -hmm the the information is collected from that right so yeah
0: so that's not necessarily the idea of double blind but i know what you're talking about so that's basically like a um that's just the experimental design of the study um but like yeah like a lot of these studies in skincare especially are going to have that placebo versus the actual product you know and most good scientific you know research designs Mm -hmm. are usually like that you know even if it's in other aspects of medicine you're going to see that placebo aspect and then you know um the actual thing that you're really testing but the double blind really comes in where you know the scientists themselves aren't like completely aware of who is who you know what i mean in the in the the pool of participants so that's very important right so it's like there's no bias when you're reporting the data that's the i think the real fundamental
1: thing we need to focus on is these people who report it you know got it so say you have a prescription ointment that's coming out say it's like a prescription retinol cream from the dermatologist Mm -hmm. for that to have passed muster and to hit the market the pharmaceutical company company that developed that retinol cream would have used a double blind study ideally ideally yes it's not and see this is where we
0: run into the problem because there's no there right now the way that medical research is conducted in our country also i I dare to say worldwide Mm -hmm. is there's no set criteria for how and what kind of studies need to be conducted for what part of medicine you know what i mean so like basically pharmaceutical companies can run these like survey analyses of just Mm -hmm. people reporting you know what i mean and just say hey like This worked for me versus this didn't work for me. And they'll use that as just as good of a study as something else that you and I would think is just more controlled and, you know, um, better structured overall. So, yeah, ideally speaking, to answer your question. Yeah, we would hope they're double blind studies, but especially with things like retinol, you know what I mean? Like, Uh because it's you would think that this is the closest thing to like, you know, a prescribed In you know a prescribed skincare product that you can give to somebody, right? But unfortunately, a lot of the research out there for um, retinoid derivatives is not—they're not like that. They're not double-blind studies. They're not um, well-managed studies. They don't even have enough participants, in my opinion. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean?
1: So, what is the statistical, um, I I guess, threshold for participants? How many do you really need to have a good uh, pool of participants to obtain reliable data?
0: Yeah, so that's a really great question. And I think that um, a lot of statisticians and people will have different opinions. But from my standpoint, um, looking into the research, I mm-hmm. think at minimum you should have, you know, a hundred because I go off of, you know, when I think of statistics, I go off of percentages. And, um, you know, if you don't even have a hundred people, right, mm-hmm. you can't truly make any kind of a, like a percentage model, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. any kind of ratio, um, you can't record any of that because you don't have enough people to represent the ideal, mm-hmm. like, you know, like basically a yeah. hundred, right. <laughs> like yeah. It's, you know, it's, I don't know how to explain that, but yeah. Um, yeah so at the minimum a hundred, the more, the better, you know, and it's like, there's really no cutoff, but you know, I know that the higher the number, the more, obviously the more um, accurate it's going the results are going to be, you know, but right. yeah. But if I were to do it myself, I would be looking into at least getting a hundred people that fit and match the
1: criteria for which I was, testing. So within that 100 you you're advocating or your position really is uh, a range of um, ages and a range of um, would you say male and female and skin tones or does that matter? So
0: yeah so that's another. those are all factors of controlling your study so really what you want to do when you create any kind of experimental design is you want to control for all of these different variables so Mm -hmm. you want To make sure that if you're testing a product, for example, let's go with the retinol example. If I'm testing retinol and I want to see how this works on Caucasian women, right? Mm -hmm. I need to define an age group, define the gender, female, and define where I'm getting this Like this population from where I'm picking them from. It it can't be half of them can't be from Sweden, and then like the rest are scattered throughout the world. It has to be like a representation of the population you're testing this in. So, um, as many parameters as that you can that you can control, the better for a study, and that. But, you know, it's interesting you even bring this up because that's not even reported in a lot Mm -hmm. of these studies. They don't even tell you where these participants came from, their background. You know what I mean? None of that is reported. So really, you're saying this was tested on 182 women but I don't know where they came from. I don't know if they mm-hmm. came from an environment like a tropical environment where their skin is going to be more, you know what I mean? Like it's exposed yep. to humidity more versus somebody who lived, you know, in Canada, you know what I mean? So right, it's, it's right. very, very, it varies so much. And that's the biggest component is that you're not controlling these variables and you're not producing legitimate scientific results. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and because of that, you absolutely cannot say that based on these studies, we're going to, you know, come up with this product that is, Shown to have quote unquote proven results because right.
1: those results are meaningless, you know, in a medical perspective. So you know, it's interesting you should say that because I have pulled up three different brands and how they are uh, uh, reporting clinical trials. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna first read uh, a portion from Peter Thomas Roth, which I don't think is a dermatologist, right? Um, I, I think I don't I don't know that much about him. I think he is
0: a dermatologist.
1: Okay. But yeah. So their tagline is clinical skincare. So okay. they're really, really pushing the fact that their products are tested and they use supposedly clinical ingredients. And we'll kinda of touch base on this later because they've been sued for that. But so for the pro strength niacinamide discoloration treatment, they report two consumer panels. So they say in a six week consumer panel study on 34 women, which that's not a lot of women, you know, they send out PR to more people than 34 people. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Yes, Ranging in age from 29 to 64, which is completely arbitrary. I feel like users agreed. So this is a completely anecdotal users agreed. Dark spots and sunspots were less visible. Skin looked brighter and less dull Skin clarity was improved. See this is exactly
0: i see this is exactly i feel like that study encompasses everything we just talked yeah. about like yeah i mean it really is that idea of relying on you know self-reporting first of all which is yeah. absolutely just you
1: can't because how do, do you that. measure that right you how do that right. yeah
0: like there's no way to, like would yeah. you? Like, this is my question to people right would you want me to be testing um for example we're dealing with covid would you want me to be testing the vaccine on self-reported claims or would you <laughs> want me to be measuring your antibodies towards you know what I mean that kind right, of right, right. Like, do you want the real medicine or do you want to just make this stuff up? So yeah, first of all, they're self-reporting. Second of all, thirty-four people is literally nothing. Like, I can yeah. do go down the street and get more people than that. Yeah, you know. You know
1: okay, so there's that, right? And then they say they apparently conducted a 12 week consumer panel on i i'm assuming the same set of uh, people because it says 34 women ranging in age from 29 to 64 and they say um based on this 20 12 week consumer panel skin discolorations were less noticeable and discolorations they had for years appear appeared to have faded so they use all of these um uh, words that mm-hmm. give them a little fudge room you know yes. appear to have faded I mean, what is
0: that you know what, I mean? yeah, what does that even mean
1: yeah yeah H yeah. yeah. pot spots were less visible post acne and blemish marks looked faded it didn't it doesn't say they faded it says Look, looked faded yeah, yeah. skin tone looked more even so that's interesting um so let's move on to dr dennis grossest skincare line which he's a dermatologist Mm -hmm. they also publish um results on their product pages and this is for the adaptive superfoods stress repair uh face cream which is what i'm currently using Hmm. uh so they have a little picture that you can toggle back and forth to see how it worked on an actual person Mm -hmm. and then they say experience real results in an independent clinical study and they don't list like any parameters how many people or anything like that They just Mm -hmm. say 100% saw a significant improvement in hydration, which is so funny to me because you can take water, put it on your face and say, hey, I felt 100% improvement in hydration. You know, that is so true. And
0: you know, when it comes to hydration, it's so crazy. It's like, what do you mean? Like 100% improvement in hydration. Like, so, you know, and I want to actually say this, because I don't think most people understand that when you're talking about hydration in the skin, you're really talking about trans epidermal water loss. So that's really what should be like measured. Um, So right. a lot of times when you hear about dermatologists talking about <laughs> how much water is in your skin, and are you well hydrated? Are you dehydrated versus hydrated? They're really talking about that TEWL, Um, you know, score. Right. And that is really what you're looking at. Yes, exactly what you said. I can splash water on my face and be a thousand percent more hydrated, but that doesn't right.
1: mean anything at the end of the day. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. They also say 96% saw a significant improvement in skin smoothness. Um, and Again, 88% that's so subjective. like that's right. so Subjective. Yeah. Exactly. And 88% saw a significant improvement in skin redness and radiance. So to me, I don't know what significant means because that means something to something different to me than to you than someone else down the street right so
0: So i'm not going to go into like the full stats but i can tell you when when any kind of study reports statistical data and they say it's significant it's a p score that they're reporting so um the p score is like the statistical like it's the coefficient of significance you know what i mean so like that's usually done by Statisticians take the information. They basically run a bunch of tests on it and see if there's any kind of correlation. You know what I mean? That they can find, yeah. or if there's any kind of like you know trends that they can find, and then they basically come up with this this p value that is mm-hmm. either going to be it's going to be accepting or rejecting your hypothesis kind of thing. So that's a whole bunch of information about stats that I know nobody really wants to dive into. <laughs> well, but, that's um, an
1: interesting point that you should. Uh, Bring up because that's not something that they're collecting here, though, right? Because you can't take a peace score, like, are they actually measuring people's hydration? There's no way to do that, I know, right? Exactly, (laughs) there's no way to do (laughs) that, (laughs) right? And so, okay, so Sephora is also notorious for this because in their clean skincare line, they have stats all like on almost every page so and they say clinical results down um, i'm looking at the drunk elephant Proteini polypeptide moisturizer uh if you go down to the bottom it says clean at sephora clinical results in an independent consumer testing panel of 50 women age uh 25 to 55 100 percent agree their skin felt replenished and nurtured <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
0: How can uh, you measure that? Do you just wake up in the morning morning for hands? I feel very <laughs> nurtured today.
1: <laughs> I mean it's ridiculous. What and is <laughs> nurture? What does that mean? <laughs> wow. 97% agree yeah. their skin felt moisturized. I would hope so. I would hope a moisturizer would moisturize your skin. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I felt like my skin wasn't
0: tight this morning. Good, because you put yes. something on it.
1: Wow. Ninety-seven yeah. percent agreed their skin texture felt soft and smooth. It's it's so funny to me because they run these testing panels, and there's such a sh- small number, right? But whenever yeah. you see these companies send out PR, I mean, they send it to hundreds of. People, so I feel like Bearth himself is you your. Know,
0: I feel like what's happening is probably like they send it to 100 people, and like 80 of them say your product sucks, <laughs> and then the 20 that actually report are probably the ones that are like, Yeah, look, you know what I mean? Yes. 20 out of 20 people said that our product is amazing and they feel nurtured. Yes. <laughs> 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 it's so ridiculous like i cannot <laughs> believe that this is even published information like I know. literally and i want to know actually my biggest thing is i want to know the, the biggest people i want to hold accountable is the these journals that are publishing these results like so like another word that you you mentioned which is is so interesting to me is that they say clinical study quote unquote now mm-hmm. that is so like deceptive if i'm being honest with you because usually when people hear the word clinical and they don't really think about the next word coming after it their Mm -hmm. mind goes to clinical trials so that clinical studies that they're usually used to are clinical trial studies these are not clinical trial studies so like saying something's a clinical study is basically just garbage like it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean anything you know what i mean like i could like go eat dirt tomorrow and be like i'm (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a clinical study to see if i get sick like you know what i mean like it's it doesn't mean anything so yeah i think it's just once again marketing a play on words um is you know using the fact that most consumers are not very well versed in like stats and scientific terminology and yep. using that as just a marketing gimmick you know what i mean yep. And I, it's terrible like i find that yep. to be so terrible like you can't
1: do and that the level of qualification <laughs> qualifying words they put into these marketing uh I guess reports, you know, the, the pages, the product pages is to me as a lawyer reading this, I can pick out these qualifying words because I use those words, right? Yeah, That's something, you know, that we put in letters that we, I mean, clearly a lawyer has looked at this because guess what? PTR has been sued. uh, Dr. Dennis Gross has been sued for misrepresenting and uh, making claims that Cannot actually ever be true. Wow. I so didn't know it's that. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the, um, do you remember the rose stem cell mask?
0: yes but,
1: yes oh my gosh yes. <laughs> yes. so <laughs> I think I means. actually yes at some point I think I reviewed it and the only thing that I really felt like it did was you know moisturize so yeah. they got sued there was actually a class action against PTR uh, <laughs> where they claimed their products were based on pseudoscience <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. uh, like- obviously there was you know there they claimed it was falsely advertised and that it was scientifically incapable of achieving promised benefits for which consumers pay a premium price. So I think part of what they were pushing is that the rose, they were getting these stem cells from the rose and that somehow has some kind of anti-aging benefit to your skin. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't even know, like, where to begin on
0: that one. Seriously, like, that's... One, you're using a completely different species. Like, that's... let's (laughs) Let's just start there. Can we just... It's not even a mammal. Like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> this makes no sense. Like, Okay, I, so my
1: understanding is even, like, can someone else's stem cells help you? Like, or does it have no, to be your own stem cells?
0: No, absolutely not. Like, okay, I'm not going to say absolutely not. There's no absolutes in science and medicine. But, uh-huh. like, I will say that, like, stem cell research is an incredibly complex field, and you definitely – any of the progress that we've seen in stem cell science has been associated with, like, an internal approach where you're implanting them on mm-hmm. a like, in a way that there's adequate blood supply going to these cells and yeah. these grafts. There's, like, a lot of stuff going on that's just supporting their growth. Putting them topically on top of your skin is definitely not meaning to describe <laughs> to you. Like, you are not... Like you know what I mean? So like, really measuring the like efficacy of using these yeah. quote unquote stem cells. First of all, how do, are they surviving in that medium? That's my biggest question.
1: First so and foremost, that was something you know? that the case pointed out. They yeah. said, <laughs> <laughs> plant stem cells are fragile and cannot survive the manufacturing, shipping, and storage to which the rose stem cell products are necessarily subject." Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's
0: that's the thing. Like stem cells have to be cultured in a very specific medium. Like it's called medium. Like the culture plates have like like the mm-hmm. the solution we put in it is it has like the growth factors necessary for normal differentiation and like all of these different things that are needed for stem cells to differentiate mm-hmm. into the stuff that we want. So this makes absolute no sense what they're saying. Yeah, like it it
1: just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So it's interesting because uh, the water drench line is also another set of products that i tried out which i liked i mean i thought it it made my skin feel really nice it felt hydrated all of that did you feel nurtured (laughs) i don't know if i felt nurtured but it coddled my skin very well (laughs) but there was a class action against ptr against that line too and um let's see so I guess PTR claimed that that products draw moisture from the atmosphere into the user's skin and that the product will hold a hundred times its weight in water and provide hydration up to 72 hours. Okay. That means nothing. Like that's, they're <laughs> just describing a humectant. we already,
0: by the way, I don't, I don't know how much people know this, but like any dermatologist you've talked to is going to tell you that we have natural humectants already present in our dermis. So like mm-hmm. putting it on your epidermis and the very top of your dermis, epidermis is not doing anything like the water that you need is on in your dermal layers. So like Mm -hmm. putting like (laughs) literally like, you know, it was like I had interviewed Dr. Natalia uh, Spearings, right. A couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago. And she made this great point is that, you know, how much of what, like how much do you really need in your dermis? And do we want to go in there and change things? Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. that's the fundamental thing. I think nobody wants to focus on. And I think it's a massive problem in terms of all of this miscommunication and this you know basically bad science pseudoscience you could say that's being propagated you know because it's like no one understands that yeah hyaluronic acid is found in your dermis it is not found in your epidermal corneocytes. it's not it's not something that's Mm -hmm. you know you don't need that sitting on your skin that's not necessary you know so yes
1: yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I think I've had mis- mixed results with even applying hyaluronic acid to my skin. You know, we have The Ordinary and a couple of other brands that come out with these single ingredient products. And we think, oh, you know, m- applying this to my skin is going to give me some kind of benefit. Right. And some have been sticky and you, you just kind of have to work with it. But I think for me, I it feels nice, but then you know 30 minutes later 40 minutes later is it really doing anything yeah. I don't really know and there's no way for me to really evaluate that either because I don't know what's happening no and that's such a good point and you
0: know like this actually makes me think of those weird little devices that a lot of like Asian bloggers were using for a while that they, they put it on their face and they measured their like yeah. hydration or something do you remember yeah. those yes I do yeah Yeah, I don't even know how that works first of all Like I'm just gonna assume that it's some sort of like light technology but like I think that's complete garbage because you're like, it's like you said, you're just putting this on your skin, getting through and making a difference in terms of the composition of your skin is a whole different area. That's called dermatology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that is literally the whole different argument. It's a whole different type of science that needs to be involved. You know, we can only layer so much onto our skin surface. And now am I going to sit here and say everything is useless? Don't use anything? No, because I think some of us, you know, it's like, yeah some of us do feel nurtured you know when yeah. we use that certain moisturizer or when we yeah. put that certain product on it does make your skin feel smoother i know yeah. i i'm definitely guilty of that you know like yeah. there are certain things i absolutely love but am i going to be foolish enough to think that oh my god i'm going to not age anymore because i'm using right. this regular no you know what yeah. i mean like it's just it's like i feel like it's picking and choosing what you want to believe a product
1: mm-hmm. is going to do for you you know yeah and that brings me to my next question What about placebo effect? So I think you and I privately had a conversation about, okay, we're using all these products. I feel like I'm providing, I mean, I'm always strive to provide my absolute honest, 100% honest thoughts Mm -hmm. on something. And I'm not going to say anything that I don't feel is to be true, but then I go back and, you know, with everything that I've learned through you and uh, watching dermatologists online, I'm thinking, Hey, is my experience true? Like, did I experience yeah. that correctly? Yeah. So I guess my question is, are we all just kind of internalizing these marketing messages? And is that affecting our reviews? I think that's such a valid,
0: yeah, it's such a good question. Because honestly, after we had that talk, I know what you're talking about. I went in online and I was going to actually do a post on, about this on my Instagram, but I looked into the placebo effect of even things such as beauty supplements, because mm-hmm. if we can have a placebo effect from something like that, then to assume that we're having it from topical, um, you know, things that we're applying topically is definitely going to be there. And with right. the studies I found for these, like, you know, all these like um, vitamins that are like being used, right. to like mm-hmm. in- increase like skin, you know collagen production and all of this stuff they found um one of these studies found that the placebo and the actual treatment group like there was no difference in the results like Mm -hmm. literally like you know i just i was so shocked when i saw that because i for sure believe that you know what maybe this is one area or one aspect of skincare that could actually have some validity behind it but it looks like there's really not you know and it's right. like if there if, if something you're ingesting and actually you're putting into your body to go undergo normal metabolism and then be utilized in the areas mm-hmm. it needs to be used is not working something putting putting something on top of your skin is definitely not going to be working so yeah mm-hmm. i think there's a huge placebo component of all of this you know um yeah i, I think a lot more you know information needs to be provided in that area
1: yeah. So yeah. So, kind of coming back to dermatologists owned brands. So coming mm-hmm. back to Dr. Dennis Gross, and I hate to be picking on like the two or three, but I feel like you know, well, there's
0: the big ones, right? <laughs> yeah, those are those really
1: though. big, right? Yeah. So it's interesting to me that you know he's a famous, famous dermatologist, but he has like tons of products. I mean, there's some that I absolutely believe do change your skin, like the peels. I've been using the peels, yeah. and they've They've helped my skin. I mean, it's the scars are fading, like very visibly fading. But again, you know, you're sawing off layers of skin, so it better be doing something positive. Yes. Yes. But he has these other products that, you know, science has been questionable on. So, for example, he has the. uh, Dr. Dennis Gross C-Plus Collagen Deep Cream. And he says it's a vitamin C cream that has collagen amino acids that deeply hydrate, smooth, and brighten your complexion. So apparently he's been sued on this too. That's a lot of claims. That's a lot of claims,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yes,
1: so there was a lawsuit for this particular product where he uh, apparently the lawsuit claims that there isn't actually any collagen in the product, yeah. which, okay. So I guess my questions are, um, it's saying collagen deep cream, but does it, first of all, is there a miscommunication to the consumer that topically applied collagen is what helps collagen? Because to me, like I'm thinking, okay, even if it doesn't um, have collagen, My logical conclusion from reading this would be there's something in that product that's going to help collagen production in my skin. Right, and you would hope so, right? You would hope so. So this goes,
0: this is so good because- I love that people are kind of dissecting these products more now because, first of all, let me just be honest, collagen is a huge molecule. So the production of collagen is truly what you want, the natural production of it. And this is where a lot of things like um, copper peptides and like peptide formulations come in because those are actually said to promote collagen synthesis versus just putting collagen on your face because that truly does nothing. Again, mm-hmm. you want collagen to be in your dermis. You don't want it on sitting on top of your skin. That it doesn't, right. you know what I mean? it Doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge claim for him to have. First of all, like any kind of cream or moisturizer that says this is like literal collagen for here mm-hmm. you go, like that's yeah, that's useless. You know what I mean? If anything, I would think from like a no, I'm not a dermatologist, but I would think that if You know, from a medical standpoint, it's almost like a negative feedback effect where, like, if you're putting too much of something on your skin, your skin, like any other organ in your body, is going to say, I don't need any of this anymore. So please stop making this much. You know what I mean? So I, and I know that a lot of people, um, a lot of dermatologists have um, published studies where with other things where they found that to be a thing. For example, with ceramides, they found that, like, if you put too many ceramides on your face, certain, those specific ones, your body will stop naturally producing Mm -hmm. them and you'll end up having a deficiency of them so it's like you know yeah so it's it's really like almost like you're doing a uh, disservice to your own skin health by mm-hmm. putting all of these things on top of it. So yeah, I I definitely disagree with him saying this is going to help your collagen production. I don't think a lot can help collagen production. That's a huge area of science and medicine that is very mm-hmm. deeply rooted. And it it you know if we could figure out what helps collagen production, I promise you the first people on that would be um do-
1: bone <laughs> doctors. You know what I mean, oh, like rheumatology doctors. and you know yeah. yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. Yeah, that yeah. totally makes like sense.
0: Orthopedics would be all over that, I promise. You. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and it's interesting because you know, collagen and skincare has been like the new thing, I guess not new, but in the last few years, that's yeah. been like the it thing. And I guess this is another example of marketing driving product development as opposed to the dermatologist, even though it's a dermatologist brand, yeah. they still have to feel, I bet they still there still is pressure internally to develop products that stay on trend um, or otherwise, you know, they risk being kind of boring more or less. Yeah. Yeah and and that's good that's a good point because it's like
0: if you think that a brand is coming from a dermatologist you automatically want to assume there's science behind it yeah but in a lot of these cases that's just not true you know what i mean like yeah it, like putting a doctor something something label on a brand doesn't mean that it's tested more or it's looked mm-hmm. into more or studied more it's just simply another marketing gimmick that's yeah. all it is you know
1: yeah yeah and i I've been kind of browsing the website a little bit more as you were talking and you're completely right. You know, all the before and after pictures are on white skin. I don't even see one person of color Mm -hmm. anywhere uh, on which, you know, product results have been demonstrated. So I
0: think that's such a that's such a
1: huge point
0: that needs to be talked about in mm-hmm. these products is because because like women of color we have so many different skin concerns and i know that like a lot of dermatologists will say well there's no difference you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's either you have a lot of melon or you don't and that does isn't i mean i i'm not fully convinced on that data so i don't like it when companies are just giving you like white women to look at it's like yeah. this tells me nothing because i don't even have those skin concerns that she has yeah. you know
1: what i mean yeah Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Cause you know what the, <clears throat> excuse me, the women in my family, I mean, they just have great skin. They don't age. They, they don't really even get wrinkles yeah. until after maybe 55, Yeah, 60. Yeah. I mean, my grandmother has Same. really nice skin. My, my Aunt, my, yeah, my aunts, my uncles, like everybody, they're a little bit older. I mean, they have a few little wrinkles here and there, but overall they have nice skin, but I have other concerns, right? I have hyperpigmentation. I have, exactly. um, I, I don't know, dullness issues. And yeah. And I think at one point you had said that skin that contains more melanin is thicker, like biologically yeah. thicker. So we may just need products that have higher percentage of certain ingredients for it to even work. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I'm just going off of these studies
0: that are I find on PubMed, because, you know, there's so blank areas in dermatology when it comes to melanin rich skin. And I have mm-hmm. even asked dermatologists, do we know everything about melanocytes? And they say no, you know what I mean? Because Yeah, melanocytes are a huge component of what's going on. That's what makes up our skin color. You know what I mean? They're the ones that are contributing. So if we don't even know how they're working and their signaling is -hmm. going on, how can we say that there's no huge difference between, you know, darker skin versus... There has to be. You know, we already know that there's a difference in terms of, like, the, you know the susceptibility to developing like melanoma or other mm-hmm. skin cancers in like lighter skinned people versus darker skin. You know what I mean? So there has right. to be
1: a huge difference. And right. I'm just waiting for that science to come out at this point. And my understanding that it, it presents differently too, right? On darker yes. skin. Mm-hmm. So it goes misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all because dermatologists don't know what that, you know, what melanoma may look like on someone with a deeper skin tone. Exactly. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. So, it's interesting that we have so much misinformation coming from companies and studies and even other, you know, celebrity uh, dermatologists like yeah. Dennis Gross. So <laughs> it's no surprise that we have a lot of misinformation coming from content creators and influencers on social media, because I feel like that just gets amplified to like a hundredth degree. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of people are guilty of uh, perpetuating this information because you just don't know any better. Like how much unpaid research can you do to evaluate a product before you yeah. publish a review? And right? also
0: where are you going to go to for your information? Yeah. There's nothing available for us. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, you and I can review a product till like, you know, the cows come home, but if there's no research about what these components or these ingredients are doing, I have no way of saying Yeah. Is this scientifically working or not? I cannot tell you that because there's absolutely no data out there and I don't see anyone pressing for it. The only thing I'm seeing, honestly, for Heen, is like either people saying, get rid of skincare altogether or, you know, skincare works whether you believe it or not. That's what I'm seeing these days. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot of people that are in the middle saying, hey, um, why don't we just have more research going on in this area? You know what I mean? Like, why don't we yeah. do a little bit more trials and, you know, really look into what's going on with these products. Are they providing any kind of aid? Because, you know, it, dermatolo- dermatologists are very quick to dismiss, right? They're just going mm-hmm. to say, no, it's absolutely not working versus consuming- I do notice something. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I yeah. don't know what it is, but I do notice something. So I'm really curious, you know, from my, even from just a normal, like just a consumer standpoint, like what really, something is happening. I just mm-hmm. don't know what, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah. I definitely feel a difference when I use some products and I, or I stop use of some products and begin use of other products. I mean, there are subtle changes in your skin. I mean, I think not everyone, will notice, like, I don't think my husband will notice the difference, but you look at yourself every day. And I feel like, you know, women are hypercritical about every little mark on their face. Yeah. So yeah. when you have magnifying mirrors, you know, you just, you <laughs> like over examine <300x>. yes, <laughs> your skin and are, um, you know, very in tune to figure out what is working or or at least what helps, yeah. even if it is a placebo effect, like something's happening where I feel like, okay. you know I spent my money better on this product I can tell
0: you that there's a lot of things that are not placebo effect too like there's a lot I think there is a lot of placebo for sure but I can tell you there's this one mask um this is kind of off topic but I'm just gonna throw it there's this one mask by Biosons, and it's a glycolic acid mask and I I kid you not I bought this for my blackhead problem on my Mm -hmm. nose and that it actually works like, yeah. it works really well. I, is that know, my... the, the scrubby one?
1: Yeah, that's the one that's yes. greeny. Yes. Yeah. yes, that one is really good. Yes,
0: yes. it works really well. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I love this product. I can see the difference. You know, my nose doesn't have those blackhead problems when I use it. Like, I, yeah. I think that definitely is a great product. But then again, like, once again, you can only rely on yourself. You know what I mean? Like, again, yeah. it's that self-reporting aspect coming in so I don't know you know it's not any better in terms of studies but it works
1: for me. so yeah yeah I agree so I guess the next question is you know we're putting this information out there but if we don't at least provide some framework for a solution I think we would not have accomplished um, our goal in this episode so I kind of put together a an outline of this framework on how to evaluate where the information is coming from, essentially the source of the information. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. So I think the first thing you have to evaluate is the credentials of the person is providing you that information. So yes. are they just, you know, a regular consumer, a skincare enthusiast, or quote unquote, I hate this term skinfluencer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Are they an esthetician, uh, primary care, family med, physician are they a dermatologist and even going further you know is that information coming from somebody who's highly specialized dermatologist so i think there's a, a a range of you know least reliable to yeah. more so reliable both, yeah
0: yeah i and each one of those people has biases never forget mm-hmm. that like i feel yeah. like even with dermatologists you will always come it's if it's a human there's a bias attached always mm-hmm. know that you know what i mean like it's just yeah. it comes with the territory
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Okay, so I guess the next thing would be the product in question. What is the purpose? Is it treating a condition, a skin condition, or generally supporting skin health? That's
0: really good. I really like that. Because I think people don't understand the difference between skin health Mm -hmm. and just things that you want to change. You know what I mean? So it's like, really, it's kind of like really... That, now this one I think is so important because it really heavily relies on someone being a an educated and vigilant consumer. You know what I mean mm-hmm. like yeah. you really have to figure out what am I really doing to my skin and I think this is this is where like that deep dive comes in where you have to really go into what is this product? Why do I why do I need it first of all? Mm-hmm. Why do I think I need it? You know what I mean? Like, which, mm-hmm. which kind of feeds back to that first of like, where did I even get the
1: idea to get it from, come from you know? yes, here? <laughs> like, yes. Yes. So, yeah. Because you're getting information from some, somewhat somebody, right? Yeah. 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 And then um, I guess, lastly, how will it help me? Uh, and this is something I especially struggle with because, you know, you and I, we get like a range of products and then, or companies will want to send me products for a skin condition I don't have. So I think the one thing we really have to ask ourselves is there is a trending product, there's a new release, and it has all of these claims, but I feel like most people, you know, they just buy it because it's new. They don't really properly evaluate whether that's even going to help them. Do they even have a skin condition to where that product is going to help? Exactly.
0: And all the people that you think are reporting about this part do they even have that skin condition yeah you know what i mean like yeah like for example like there's this entire um society for eczema Mm -hmm. but like you know what i mean like for example like i know tatcha has this cream i absolutely love this cream by the way it's like their indigo cream Mm -hmm. is my favorite moisturizer by tatcha and i and i know this is like approved by like the eczema society or something like that um in in the medical i don't even know what their criteria are to be very frank um Mm -hmm. about how they approve products but The thing is, like, you know, when you're buying a product, especially a treatment product, um, are you making sure that the person you're getting the suggestion from even has your problem? Because Mm -hmm. half the time, I promise you, like, that cream I just told you about, I I don't have eczema, and I use that cream, and I love it. So I can go on to Instagram and be like hey Tatcha's Indigo cream is freaking phenomenal yeah. and the person will be like looking for eczema you know friendly products and come across that cream and they'd be like oh this person said it was great let me just go buy it but it's like I will be the first to tell you I don't have eczema so like yeah you know don't go off of my product recommendations for that specific skin concern um right. you know but I think that's such a good point that you make because um there's there's no fine there's no like you know discrete line between skin health and just vanity issues anymore. Mm-hmm. There really needs to be. Because that misinformation, that's getting dangerous. That gets you yeah. into a dangerous area. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of skin reactions and stuff. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I That's a really, really good point. Because eczema is a medical condition mm-hmm. that you will have to, you know, that you treat more or less. I mean, there's a whole spectrum, um, which can be really detrimental to somebody versus, you know, lack of hydration or my skin feels a little bit dry. That's a different issue altogether. So I guess the next question would be, what are your expectations about the product? So I think this is where the marketing comes in and that it provides people with, unrealistic expectations yeah because when they have these super high numbers in the 90s about people uh you know high 90s or you know 100 percent of people reporting that their skin feels replenished yeah. and nurtured, it's like crazy. what what am I supposed to expect from that
0: you know and honestly I'm not gonna lie I have felt um like, fell into that trap so often on Sephora's website. Like, the whole, like, 98%. But, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, I don't understand what it means to have smoother skin. What do you mean by that? That's such a subjective thing. I don't know what you mean by, you know, like, for example, pore. I mean, reduced pore size. That might not be a good thing for certain people, you know? Like, it's, Mm -hmm. again, it's, like, what... You people need to understand there's no such thing as perfect skin and they're going to be and there's there's no such thing as a standard of perfection and i think this is i really feel like it's at the root of so many marketing tactics because women hate admitting to the idea that there's no such thing as perfection you know what yeah. I mean? Like we look at things, and I think that it's like kind of like brainwashing that's been happening for so many years. Mm-hmm. That you no, know, actually, there is an idea of perfection, and I want to attain it. And I know that mm-hmm. if I saying it's going to help me, but it's not going to work for you the same way it did for person X, Y, and Z. You know what I yeah. mean? So that that whole managing expectations aspect, I think that's a very, I think mm-hmm. that's a great point. It's very like a personal issue. You know, is. if you're somebody yeah. who's hypercritical of yourself, you need to recognize that you are hypercritical of yourself, yep. you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and I think a lot of people also expect miracles from products when really the issue that they're facing can only really be fixed with a medical procedure. Yes. So that is, I mean, deep wrinkles, like, okay, we could fix it to a certain extent, but you're not going to get smooth skin without a little bit of Botox and exactly. whatever else. And you don't know if the person who is recommending that product has had those supplementary skin procedures done on top of which they're using these products. That's
0: a huge, that is such a great point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, I can almost certainly guarantee that the models mm-hmm. and the spokespeople that are standing behind some of these lines have the money to go to a plastic surgeon and get all this stuff done. So oh, yeah, you cannot look at them and be like, Oh my gosh, look at her skin. It's so beautiful at the age of 50. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it's beautiful, but she's also got, you know, half a million dollars stowed away for yeah. surgical procedures on her face. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's like a different, You, it's not a one product cures all. Yeah. And I think like, you know, it's almost like we know that, but we still want to believe it's not true. Yes.
1: Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. With that Fenty skin launch, right? Because yeah, Rihanna yeah. has beautiful freaking skin, but guess what? <laughs> she has had procedures done. Yes yes and doctor's honestly, office procedures like serious plastic surgery
0: you know what I mean like it's it's all in the bracket of plastic surgery mm-hmm. after a certain point you know what I mean yeah. women need to understand that like there's a lot of people who come out here with like oh well this is laser laser therapy and blah blah but no honey it all falls into plastic surgery mm-hmm. because at the end of the day this is a professional doing this on your face you know what I mean you're yeah. altering the map of your face in some way and whenever mm-hmm. that's occurring that's no longer a co- it's not no longer just
1: you know yeah. topical or cosmetic it's like a yeah. serious thing so yeah yeah I agree and, and I, you know what yeah. Kim Kardashian is really guilty of this she always says oh I've never been under the knife but she's had oh. procedures done
0: oh. she is the worst person to say that can I, just, <laughs> can I just put that out there I I don't even know how she had the gall to say that (laughs)
1: yes I think she said it in some interview but that that's the expectation right like it doesn't count as plastic surgery unless someone is cutting you open but that's Mm. not true Mm -hmm. no
0: that is not true at all yeah that's so yeah like and you're right you know what I mean like there are so many plastic surgeons that I know that you know They do a lot of procedures that are just for, for example, acne, Mm -hmm. um, like getting rid of acne using certain uh, wavelengths of light light and stuff, but it's all under their plastic surgery practice. So Mm -hmm. there's an incredible amount of stuff that can be done with plastic surgery. It doesn't always have to be a knife being used. You don't always have to be under the, you know, like anesthesia or whatever.
1: Yeah, I agree. Hello? Did I lose you? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. (laughs) So the next thing is, is the strength of the active ingredient right for my skin? Yeah. Yeah. So how do we evaluate that?
0: (laughs) Because I think it's really important because... This is so good. Like, I feel like this is so important because... Right. Because
1: companies are starting to publish percentages of their active ingredient. But I don't know. Like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean jack
0: shit excuse me but it really doesn't i mean honestly when you okay so this is so good i really believe in dosing right so as a medical Mm -hmm. professional i believe that you should absolutely be looking at doses with any kind of treatment on your body in your body whatever and now that they're coming out of percentages that doesn't mean anything to me because at the end of the day it still is not controlling for how much of something someone's putting on their face so if Mm -hmm. you have a two percent um something something retinoid derivative product right and one person is putting a very thin layer on versus another person is putting a huge thick layer of that shit on <laughs> you have no way of controlling that you mm-hmm. can't measure that you can't you know, you can't even rely on the results be- like the own like you know self-reporting results because you have no way of knowing how much of this they used mm-hmm. um you know, that and I know that's hu- it's huge for sunscreen I know it's huge for you know any kind of peels like people who do peels constantly you know what I mean like they're mm-hmm. constantly I don't know, like uh, exfoliating their skin, their skin is going to look different than someone who does it once a week, you know? So yeah, yeah, I think dosing is so, so, so important. And honestly, there's no way of doing it in skincare. You cannot dose in skincare unless it's like individualized. And mm-hmm. that's unfortunately not the case right now, so. Yeah.
1: But can you even dose with the products you get at the dermatologist? Because I don't ever think anyone's ever told me how much, you know, freaking when different, Back when it was yeah. a prescription, I remember it being prescribed to me. The dermatologist didn't tell me, "Oh, put this much on." She just gave it to me. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: Yeah, and I think I mean that's a great point. But no, you really can't because you're just looking at the molar uh, ratio of something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Suspended in a in a in yeah. a cream or an ointment or something. You're not looking at the like like the exact amount that's being put on your skin versus like any other kind of medication which I'm going to when I'm dosing something that I put into your bloodstream that's that's taking into your account your body weight is taking into Mm -hmm. account like all of these different measurements which is not the case with dermatology so yeah I agree with you I don't think that even that is a good representation of quote-unquote you know measuring or dosing your products no it's just telling you this much is in this Mm -hmm. in whole vial you know
1: yep So my next question is, we're seeing a lot of products, skincare tools that are coming out that are uh, the home version of procedures that you can get at the dermatologist. So we're seeing the derma rollers, the -hmm. microneedling derma rollers, the face uh, skin light therapy masks um yeah a bunch of other things like that yeah so, the, and
0: the microneedling kits and stuff Yep, and yep mm-hmm, there's a so, lot of
1: stuff so what do you think about that because I feel like we're kind of relying on hey oh this is a clinical procedure but oh I can do this at home
0: I think it's a very slippery slope if I'm being very honest I think with certain things so let's let me just start with derma rollers because I think that whole thing now you want to talk about placebo this, I think, is the biggest gimmick and marketing issue with, you know, that's come out recently. Um, drum rollers, for example, they're telling you that you're increasing your lymph movement, right? And your mm-hmm. like neck and face areas. So you're like promoting lymph drainage and whatnot. Okay, cool. Got it. But like, that's fine, you can do that at home if you really think it's making a difference. I promise you that quartz or whatever is on there is probably not doing anything. Like, I mm-hmm. don't think it matters what kind of stone it is. So yeah, okay, there's that, you know, there, there's that end. And then we have the other end which is like home peels, needling, home procedure. These are, this is where I say uh, slippery slope because I think if you have an extremely potent peel or a needling kit that is not controlled in terms of like you know, the environment you're doing it, you don't have a sterile environment, Mm -hmm. you know, in which you're performing these procedures, you're not um, controlling for all these external factors that are usually controlled for in a dermatologist's office or a plastic surgeon's office, you're really prone to infections and hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's like the guy that came out, you know, when we were younger, remember the one surgeon, he did surgery on himself, like, it's kind of that's what I think of when I think of these products, like, Mm -hmm. you're essentially doing microsurgery on yourself and yeah. that's not safe no matter how you look at it because yeah. the biggest is um infection and mm-hmm. a lot of times i think people don't understand that we can have infection and not have a fever and not have signs and symptoms it'll be this chronic infection that you carry around that you've mm-hmm. had for a while and not even know you had it until it becomes a huge skin concern you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. so I'm totally against them. I'm not even going to lie to you. I am 100% against, like, especially invasive. Anything that's poking my skin, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I would much rather put that in the hands of a professional. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way I'm going to do that at
1: home. No way. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I've definitely been guilty of using the microneedling tool because it was so trendy, I think, at one point that I just couldn't resist uh, trying it. (laughs) But... I, I didn't like it. So I stopped. I didn't even do it consistently to get any type of, you know, negative or positive effect. And I guess that's essentially a good thing because, yeah. you know, I probably didn't sanitize it as well as I should have. Maybe I didn't have the high enough alcohol. You know what I mean? There's so many other factors, like you said. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that I, <laughs> I, again, I was testing something that you didn't really come to fruition but I mean, there's a difference between me.
0: like you testing it going into it with like, yeah. I feel like overall, you're a very like intelligent human being. So Like I feel like you doing so and I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying like, so, you know, certain level of intelligence needs to come into play and common sense needs to come into play too, right? Like with yeah. people, it's like, you know, like yeah okay you might have tried it but you're not going to be like the person who goes and puts a dirty derma roller thing on your face fi- you know what i mean like whatever with yeah. like the micro like people do that you know what i mean it's like the yeah. same idea as like needle sharing or something that's what i look at it like you know what i mean it's like yeah. you're doing these things that are just not sanitary and you don't even realize the complications that can occur so it's like i get it like you know there's going to be a lot of hype and there's going to be a lot of trends but i think if anything the companies that need to get sued are those companies because yeah you are putting essentially a surgical kit in someone's hand and saying go for it it happens you know what i mean so true
1: yeah so true and what about these light therapy masks that we're seeing i don't you know that is such an interesting product because
0: i don't know exactly how it works um i know that there's some um there's a lot of value to like phototherapy um Mm -hmm. in terms of like dermatologists doing it like they have these special laser and stuff that really mm-hmm. do help with like, um, like, for example, eradicating bacteria, you know, that cause acne, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain certain skin elements, they can really, um, like kind of use this with and it works but at home stuff. I don't know because I don't once again the research isn't there. And second of yeah. all, I don't think that the frequency and the, the exposure is gonna be high enough in these at home products yeah. versus a dermatologist's office, which is a very high powered machine that's like multi million dollars. You know what I mean? Right, exactly, right. exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah like, that's what I've I've always wondered because you know, I've had laser hair removal done yeah. and when I got it done professionally, I mean I had to wear eye protection. I mean, Mm -hmm. they did, they cleaned my face. I mean, it was a different level. Right. And then I, I bought several kind of home kits with very limited results. I feel like, I mean, it, it, it works for a little while, but the hair comes back. Um, So Kind of going back, I'd much rather just go to the dermatologist and get consistent results rather than spend money messing around with it at home. And
0: another thing that concerns me about those, like the at-home light therapy kits, is, like, burns. Like, I would be scared of burning my skin. Like, honestly, like, these are, like, we never know. Like, everybody's skin is different, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. who's, if you're sensitive, you've been using a lot of peels or something, and you put this on your face, and then you get burns that's going to be very hard to fix. You know what I mean? So like just uh, once again, like taking anything that has even a remote chance of being invasive into your own hands. I'm just not for that. I feel like, you know, no matter how much the hype, no matter how many, how many reviews there are, I would Mm -hmm. just never feel comfortable because again, like the machines Mm -hmm. that are available in,
1: a doctor's office are extremely so sophisticated yeah. yeah, so sophisticated. Yeah, and they take up like a room. They yeah, they take up like half a room. Yeah, yeah. So the one on the on Doctor Dennis Gross's website yeah. is four hundred and thirty five dollars. Oh my gosh! Wow. Gosh. Yeah. That yeah,
0: save your money. Honestly, save yeah. your money. Like you that's... should
1: just go get a dermatology just treatment. Go a
0: dermat... Exactly, go yeah. to the dermatologist. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just go? You can get one therapy done for probably half that, like half that. Yeah, price.
1: half that price, exactly, and probably have better results.
0: Yeah, that's
1: it's crazy. Insane. And what is it?
0: It just claims to like do. It's like the red
1: and blue different lights, right? Yep. Like Yep. The red and blue lights. It claims to smooth and firm the face, face lines and wrinkles, even skin tone and texture, reduce appearance of sunspots, age spots and discoloration, clear you know, mild to moderate that... acne. Yeah everything it does everything. I, would be, I would be
0: really <laughs> curious about our listeners if any of you have tried this because I personally yeah. cannot even tell you because I haven't had a personal experience if any of you out there have done this and it's worked for you please let us know even if it hasn't worked for you because I'm this is I'm really curious about this one really yeah
1: yeah I just I haven't heard a lot about it so yeah I haven't either I'm just curious yeah <laughs> Well, that's all I have. We're right at the hour mark. That I, yeah, went by so right fast. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, yes, this was fun. I think we covered a lot of really good information. So, yeah, I'm really excited yeah. to see what our, our next episode, which will be on cultural appropriation and Western skincare and a co- kind of couple of other topics that relate to our cultural background. I'm really excited about that. So if, if we have any listeners who have any specific questions or want us to address any specific topics about that, uh, leave us a comment on our Instagram post about our second episode and we will make sure to cover it in the next episode. Awesome. We'll talk to you guys next time. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.